Before we start, please check out our new podcast, Good Sleep. Have you ever noticed how a calm mind can really set the stage for a good night's sleep? That's the idea behind our new podcast, Good Sleep. Greg, our host from Optimal Relationships Daily, is here to help ease you into a peaceful night's rest with some positive affirmations. And these affirmations aren't just comforting, they can help ease anxiety and nurture positive thoughts, setting you up for true good sleep. So press play on good sleep tonight because a good tomorrow starts with a good night's sleep. Just search for good sleep in your podcast app and be sure to pick the one from Optimal Living Daily. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1620, an excerpt from the book, Think Like a Rocket Scientist by Ozan Varol and I'm Justin Mollick, your personal narrator reading to you every day, including holidays, usually from blogs, but sometimes from books like today. I'll tell you about the author right after the reading, so for now, let's get right to it as we optimize your life. An excerpt from the book, Think Like a Rocket Scientist by Ozan Varol. It was 1999. I had just started working on the operations team for what would become the Mars Exploration Rovers mission. At the time, our mission to send a single rover to Mars in 2003. In 1999, as we were busy designing our rover, another lander called the Mars Polar Lander crashed on the Martian surface. This wasn't our baby, but the Polar Lander was using the same landing mechanism that we were planning to use. Our mission was grounded since our landing mechanism had just failed spectacularly. Initially, we asked the obvious questions. How can we innovate on the flawed design of the Mars Polar Lander? How do we design a better lander to ensure a smooth landing? But these questions weren't the right questions to be asking. Sometime in 2000, I was busy working in the Mars room at the Space Sciences Building at Cornell University. I heard the distinctive sounds of Steve Squires' boots clicking toward my colleagues and me in the hallway. Squires, my boss and the principal investigator of our mission, walked into the room and announced that he had just gotten off the phone with Scott Hubbard at NASA headquarters. Hubbard was in charge of fixing NASA's Mars exploration program after the Mars Polar Lander accident. He had just left a meeting with NASA Administrator Dan Golden, who had asked Hubbard to relay a simple question to Squires. Can you build two? Hubbard had asked Squires on the phone. Squires replied, to what? Hubbard responded, two payloads. Dumbstruck, Squires asked, why would you want two payloads? For two rovers, Hubbard said. It was a simple question no one had thought of asking before can we send two rovers instead of one? After the Mars polar lander crash, we had narrowly focused on the problem with our lander, but the risk wasn't isolated to the landing system. Any number of random things could break our spacecraft while traveling nearly 40 million miles through outer space and landing on a Martian surface littered with scary-looking rocks while getting whipped by strong winds. Instead of putting all our eggs in one spacecraft's basket and crossing our fingers that nothing bad would happen along the way, we decided to send two rovers instead of one. Even if one failed, the other might make it. What's more, with economies of scale, the cost of the second rover would be pennies on the dollar. Double the rovers also meant double the science. Two rovers could examine two very different landing sites. If one site turned out to be a flop from a science perspective, the other site might save the day. The two rovers were named Spirit and Opportunity. They were built to last for 90 days. Spirit lasted for six years until it got stuck on soft soil. Opportunity kept roving the red planet until 2018, over 14 years into its 90-day expected lifetime. In the end, a simple question that reframed the problem ended up producing one of the most successful interplanetary missions of all time. 
what if we sent two rovers instead of one? This question may appear obvious, but it's obvious only in hindsight. How do you see a problem from a perspective others miss? How do you ask a question that others don't think of asking? One method is to distinguish between tactics and strategy. Although the terms are often used interchangeably, they refer to different concepts. A strategy is a plan for achieving an objective. Tactics, in contrast, are the actions you undertake to implement the strategy. We often lose sight of the strategy, fixate on the tactics and the tools, and become dependent on them. But tools, as author Neil Gaiman reminds us, quote, can be the subtlest of traps, end quote. Just because a hammer is sitting in front of you doesn't mean it's the right tool for the job. Only when you zoom out and determine the broader strategy can you walk away from a flawed tactic. To find the strategy, ask yourself, what problem is this tactic here to solve? This question requires abandoning the what and the how and focusing on the why. Once you identify the strategy, it becomes easier to play with different tactics. If you frame the problem more broadly as the risk involved in landing on Mars, not just as a defective landing mechanism, sending two rovers instead of one decreases risk and increases reward. To teach the difference between strategy and tactics to her students, Tina Selig, the faculty director of the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, uses what she calls the $5 challenge. Students break up into teams and each team gets $5 in funding. Their goal is to make as much money as possible within two hours and then give a three-minute presentation to the class about what they achieved. If you were a student in the class, what would you do? Typical answers include using the $5 to buy startup materials for a makeshift car wash or lemonade stand and buying a lottery ticket. But the teams that follow these typical paths tend to bring up the rear in the class. The teams that make the most money don't use the $5 at all. They realize that the $5 is a distracting and essentially worthless resource, so they ignore it. Instead, they reframe the problem more broadly as, what can we do to make money if we start with absolutely nothing? One particularly successful team made reservations at popular local restaurants and then sold the reservation times to those who wanted to skip the wait. These students generated an impressive few hundred dollars in just two hours. But the team that made the most money approached the problem differently. The students understood that both the $5 funding and the two-hour period weren't the most valuable assets at their disposal. Rather, the most valuable resource was the three-minute presentation time they had in front of a captive Stanford class. They sold their three-minute slot to a company interested in recruiting Stanford students and walked away with $650. What is the $5 tactic in your own life? How can you ignore it and find the two-hour window? Or even better, how do you find the most valuable three minutes in your arsenal? Once you move from the what to the why, once you frame the problem broadly in terms of what you're trying to do instead of your favorite solution, you'll discover other possibilities in the peripheries. Breakthroughs, contrary to popular wisdom, don't begin with a smart answer. They often begin with a smart question. You just listened to an excerpt from the book, Think Like a Rocket Scientist by Ozan Verol. One of the best things you can do for your kids is to teach them how to manage money. And this should be started when they're little. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and learning app for kids 6 to 18. Go Henry helps kids learn about all things money, earning, spending, saving, budgeting, and so much more. 
You can even track their chores and pay their allowance right in the GoHenry app. And with their GoHenry debit card, they can put their skills to use in the real world. Plus, parents can set spend limits and get real-time notifications whenever their kids use their cards. I seriously wish I had this as a kid. I had to learn about money the hard way as an adult. If my parents had set me up with GoHenry as a kid, learning to adult would have been so much easier. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com old. Terms and conditions apply. Renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Ozan Varol is a rocket scientist turned award-winning professor and author. He grew up in a family of no English speakers in Istanbul, Turkey, learned English as a second language, and moved to the United States by himself at 17 to attend Cornell University and major in astrophysics. While there, he served on the operations team for the 2003 Mars Exploration Rovers Project that sent two rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, as you heard, to Mars. He then pivoted and became a law professor, graduating first in his class from law school and earning the highest grade point average in the law school's history. So now he's a professor at Lewis and Clark Law School in Portland, Oregon. He has written numerous award-winning articles that are taught in colleges and graduate schools. And you can find his book, Think Like a Rocket Scientist, on his site, You can find his name spelled in this episode's description. And I'll leave it there for today. Hope you're having a great day and I'll be back tomorrow as usual where your optimal life awaits.